Welcome and thank you for joining us for the Church by the Glades podcast. If you would like more information about Church by the Glades, including service times and directions, visit cbglades.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. Oh, what is up, CBG? Wow, so good to see you. Hey, thank you so much for coming to one of our environments, one of our campuses, whether you're at Lake Worth Campus. Give up our other campuses, but Lake Worth Campus or Daisy Iyer Homestead here at Coral Springs Sawgrass. Uh, folks watching online, watching on TV, thank you for joining right now. And uh, before I tell you about what we're gonna do today, let me jump to, uh, we got Scott Williams next week. All of our campuses, Scott. He is a family favorite. If you've never been here for Scott, Scott is an experienced, great communicator, great guy. And then in two weeks, we launch a new series. The series is a theme that we cover for several weeks. And uh, the, the title of this one is, this might be the weirdest title I've come up with in 20 years. Here we go. It's called Undead Iguanas. Undead Iguanas starts in two weeks. Undead Iguanas. Now, if you're watching this in Nebraska or maybe Nepal, we have iguanas down here. They're large lizards. They don't belong here. They're an invasive species. They're kind of gross. Uh, funny things happen when it gets cold outside, right? So be here. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen, but be, I won't have iguanas on stage. I will tell you that if you're afraid of lizards. But there's a theme I want to explore. So it's called Undead Iguanas. Started in two weeks. You got to be here to find out what I'm going to tell you about in two weeks, Undead Iguanas. Amen? See you in two weeks. Be back next week. But today is the final session of a series we're calling uh, Level Up. Level Up is our New Year's series. We want to get better. We want to grow. We want to change. Uh, we want to make adjustments in our life. We want to delete negative habits, replace it with positive habits. So how do we level up? And uh, I'm using the movie Up as a metaphor. And the big idea today is sometimes in life to level up, you got to stand up. And so if you haven't seen the movie Up, it might be, I don't know what my favorite Disney Pixar movie is. Some of the new ones have been a little weird, but the classics, the Toy Story movies, the Incredibles, Finding Nemo, Coco, right? I know your favorite one is some great, great movies, but Up is a lot of things. It, it has all these different themes, different ideas, like how important it is to infuse your life and relationships with adventure, uh, the, it, surprising friendships. You know, the second half of the movie has, you know, talking dogs and a giant bird and a really bad, bad guy. But the first part is a romance. It's a story about a couple. They meet as kids and fall in love, have a beautiful life together. It's Carl Fredrickson and his, his wife, Ellie, and, and they have this house. They love this house from the time they're kids. They didn't build the house, but they buy the house. They re, re, uh, refurbish the house. And then, you know, Carl loses Ellie. She passes away after decades of joy and happiness in the house. And a developer, if you saw the movie, a developer, a bad guy developer. Why are developers always bad, bad, bad guys in movies? I know some nice developers, but you know, and up, and by the way, in every single Scooby-Doo episode, the bad guy's always a real estate agent or a developer every single time. Take off the mat, ever notice that, right? Anyways, a developer buys all the property around Carl and tries to buy him out and bully him out, but he does what? He stands up, stands up for that that he values. Sometimes you must stand up for your convictions. I did tell you week one, this actually played out a true story like this right here in South Florida. Down at Dade County, a remarkable gentleman named Orlando Capote had this very thing happen to him. Uh, he is a Cuban immigrant, came with his family uh, many years ago to enjoy freedom, escape communism, and they embraced, yes. And they embraced the American dream. They worked hard. 
Uh, and what, part of the dream for them was they, they bought a house, bought a beautiful house in Miami, and it was the family house, but a developer bought everything around, I think I have a picture of this, around the house, and that, that's, that's his house now, and they built these giant buildings all around him. That's what he's dealing with. And I saw this on a very reliable source, Instagram, and saw the chaos this poor guy had to deal with. And the developers tried to do what? Squeeze him out. But this was the family house. He refused to sell. It didn't bow down to the pressure. And I thought, you know, this series would be so fun if somehow we could reach out to him and get an interview with him. But I found out Mr. Capote is very private, doesn't like to do interviews. So we didn't know how to reach him. But we have this guy on staff named Lucas Gomez. If you know Lucas, he's one of our worship leaders. Lucas has more, Lucas has more charisma than anybody I know. He's fun. He's, and, and Lucas took it upon himself to see if he could maybe connect with Mr. Capote. Here's, I want to show you what Lucas did. It's on the screen Orlando right now. Capote, the real life Carl Fredrickson. Okay, you don't know who that is. The real life guy from Up. If you've never seen the movie, it's about a man who refuses to sell his home, no matter how much he's pressured, no matter how much he's bullied or pushed around. He doesn't want to sell to a major developer who's building all around him. The movie is about so much more than that. That's a tiny piece. You should watch the movie. Great movie. Orlando Capote in Coral Gables, Florida, dealt with the same thing. And I mean almost literally the same exact thing. We wanted to talk with him, so we did some research on contact info for him and came up with nothing. Then I realized, how hard can it be to find this guy's house on a map? Apparently, very easy, here it is. I didn't necessarily find his address, but I saw the name of the plaza that was being built around him. I went to Coral Gables, found construction, and took a walk. I wanted to talk with him, but I don't know him. And nobody knocks on anybody's door anymore. It's not the 90s, you need to send a text first. I had no choice, I wanted to talk with this guy, and this was my chance. I knocked on his door, no camera, no microphones, I didn't want to bombard him, and he answered the door, and I talked to him. And he's awesome. He gave me his number and told me I could call him and ask whatever I want. Here's how the conversation went. It's ringing. Please leave message after tone. Mr. Capote, how are you, sir? This is Lucas, Pastor Lucas calling. Uh, yes, Lucas. Oh, how are you, sir? You got me. You, your parents are from Cuba and they came here pursuing the American dream. I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that. Well, we didn't even know what the American dream was when we came here. Right. Okay, but they, they were fleeing the communist regime. You know, my dad was a prominent engineer in Cuba. He had his careers, and my mother was a school teacher, but they gave all that up. They had to start from scratch. One of the American dreams is you're only your own home. You would understand that, heck, I'm not a hero. But you want to see heroes? I can show you heroes three blocks from my house. They work at the Coral Gables Hospital. Boys and girls in uniform, those are the two heroes. I'm just trying to survive. What advice would you give to somebody who is, you know, who doesn't want to be taken advantage of? I had a lot of help. Right, okay. I had a lot of guidance. This is going to sound corny, but keep, keep your heart pure. Keep your mind pure. Don't fall in for greed. Don't fall into temptation. How many times the Bible warns us of, uh, you know, keeping your thoughts straight, keeping going through the narrow doors. A lot of people go through a lot less than what you went through, and they end up very bitter. They end up very cynical. You don't strike me as somebody who's bitter, who's angry, who's resentful. I have tried everything I could. Having failed, I have no other choice but to, to put it in God's hands because nothing else has worked. Oh, there are people who have come through a lot more than me, trust me. And my, my father was ill. And in every other week we have to take him to the hospital. If he had been healthy, who knows, maybe we would have 
we would have fallen to breathe. And, you know, I, I can't say what would have happened if we had all been happy. And I tell people, watch out, happiness is dangerous. Okay, sometimes, sometimes hardships make you see things differently. There's a lot of wisdom in the Bible that, that I rely on. Do not fear. Trust God. Pray. Ask God for guidance. I don't know. I think he's a pretty good inspiration for a series right there. Sometimes in life, to level up, you got to stand up for your convictions. And of course, Mr. Capote is worthy of what he did. He's standing up for his personal rights or his property rights. But if you think in a broader sense, world changers, those people that change a generation or change a culture or change the globe, what do they do? At that key moment, they stand up for their convictions in the face of pressure, a negativity, opposition, even danger. So whether it's you know, Dr. King or it's Malala or Harriet Tubman or our founding father or uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you see these people that can stand in the face of all kinds of pressure and they change the world. To level up, you must stand up, must stand up for your convictions. By the way, before I let that slide go down, I mentioned Bonhoeffer, you probably have no idea who that is. And a couple of our young guys, Charlie and Nick, two of our young pastors have finished their undergrad. Now they're working at what's called seminary. It's graduate school for pastors. They were in my office and they're in the same class together online. And they're reading a theology book written by this author, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer, I said, guys, you know who he is? And they said, well, not really. Was a pastor in Germany in the 1930s. Now, sadly, very few people in the church stood up as the Nazis came to power. Even when their heinous and hellish ideology became evident, uh, most people just kept their head down. But Bonhoeffer is one of the few, the minority, that spoke out against Hitler and the Nazis. And it became so intense, his friends said, we gotta get you out of the country. They're gonna kill you. And he escaped to safety in England. And that's where he was for the first part of the war. He broadcast his messages, his sermons back to his people in Germany. But after a while, he was convicted that his, his church people were in harm's way and he was safe. He volunteered to go back to Germany. He was arrested and martyred in a concentration camp. He stood for his convictions. Before he died, he said this, as a loose translation of the German. So we talk so much about what? God's blessing, God's favor, God's goodness, the abundant life, and all that's in the Bible. But this is too. He said that sometimes Jesus calls you to come and die. Sometimes in life, to level up, you got to stand up. So here's what I wanna talk about today, and I'm so glad you're here. So is there, is there something we can do? Is there some stand that we can take as people of faith to, uh, to let people know our freedom in Christ? Is there some action step that articulates our emancipation that God has set us free from the power of sin and death? There is an action step, it's called believer's baptism. And I can't finish teaching on John the Baptist for four weeks and I'll talk about this thing called baptism. So find your Bible, find Matthew chapter three. I'm gonna move really fast today, so take some notes if you will. But what does it say in the Bible about baptism? Or how does this thing called baptism that churches do all around the world for 2000 years? How did it start? Where did it start? Let's go to one of the places we described the ministry, this remarkable person, John the Baptist. We've been studying him, we haven't been here for uh, four weeks now. Why? He's a catalyst of positive change. Remarkable individual. And by the way, I love him. He's talented, he's passionate, he's gifted, he's tenacious, and he's a little weird. I love people who are a little weird. God uses some people who are a little weird, amen? <laughs> Give it up, little weird people out there. All right, here we go. Uh, let's jump to Matthew chapter three. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, detail about his couture, his clothing. 
uh, his fashion sense. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist and his food was weird, locusts and wild honey. People went out from the region of Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when the many, excuse me, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptized, and he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to come from the coming wrath? We covered that last week. Let me jump down to verse 13. Then Jesus, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized. Jesus walked three days to come find John, to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it, be, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this and fulfill all righteousness. Get ready. Then John consented. Your Bible might say, then John yielded. John's confused, doesn't feel worthy, but he obeys the word of Jesus. By the way, great idea. When Jesus gives you a word, tells you to do something, even if you're confused, don't have all the answers, yield. Yield, surrender to the will of Jesus. Verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, at that moment, heaven opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is a story when John the Baptist baptized Jesus the Savior. So baptism is something churches all around the world have in common. We've been doing it to new believers for gosh, 2,000 years. So why is it a big deal? I grew up, gosh, in a Baptist church. Grew up in a Baptist church. I uh, gave my heart to Christ at a Baptist camp. Uh, I was baptized in a Baptist church. I went to a Baptist college. I went to a Baptist seminary. When I was 26, I started a Baptist church, First Baptist Church of Weston, about 20 minutes that direction. I mean, Baptist, 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 my decades. Never heard an entire sermon devoted to the idea of baptism. So if you're like me, guess what? This is your week. What, because it's weird. Can we just acknowledge that? John was weird, a little weird. Baptism is a little weird. Now, if you don't think it's weird, you've been in church too long. Right. Say, the way we baptize here, what do we do? Here, the way we do it, we get fully grown people, fully wet, in front of other fully grown people. That's weird. That's unusual. That's uncomfortable. Amen? And if you don't think it's weird, you've just been baptized or in a Baptist church or a church that does it way too long. So why, why, why? I love the why. Why is baptism a big idea in the Bible? Jot down some notes. I say, number one, it's a big idea because of this. Jesus modeled it. Jesus chose to be baptized himself, fulfilling the Father's will. All righteousness. And just listen, a general guideline in life, if Jesus does it, he's a great example. I mean, do what Jesus does, right? So if Jesus does something except trying to walk on the water, do what Jesus does. Jesus was baptized, so it's probably a pretty good reason for me to think about being baptized. So Jesus modeled baptism. More importantly, Jesus commanded baptism. So this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. John is used by the Father to announce or promote Jesus' greatness. So after his baptism, disciples begin to follow Jesus. But if you fast forward to the end of the gospel, the last two verses in the same gospel, Matthew, Jesus commands us to be baptized. It's something called the Great Commission. Very famous passage. Think on the screen behind me. Here's what Jesus said right before he ascends back into heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey 
everything. Interesting, Jesus said, now listen, I've taught you guys all kinds of stuff on all kinds of important subjects. I've taught you about prayer and about worship and about generosity, and about anxiety, who to love, you know, love, love your friends, love God, uh, love your neighbor, love your enemy. I've taught, you all, I've taught you all dozens and dozens, teach them everything. But he highlights one thing, baptism. Jesus underscores only one issue, baptism. So evidently, it's a big deal to Jesus. And anything that's a big deal to Jesus should be a big deal to us. And so Jesus commands baptism. So listen, I've been doing this a long time. Again, it's a confusing topic. In different churches, while we all baptize, we do it differently sometimes. So here are the questions. I wanna cover some of what I call the FAQs I've heard over the decades of ministry about baptism from people with good, honest, solid questions. So in case you have some questions about baptism, these might help. So first one I wanna call the, um, the baby question, the baby question because some churches baptize or christen babies. Now, we don't do that there, why is that? Well, here's the answer, we don't like kids. We don't like kids at Church by the Glades. We find babies very annoying, we don't, no, that's, that's not it. Uh, so listen, other churches christen or baptize babies. What do I think about that? I think this, I, I think it's great. I think it's awesome, I think it's parents trying to you know, nudge their kids closer to God. It's parents trying to make a spiritual statement about their child or try to make sure their, God, their, their baby's okay or cool with God. Guess what? Your baby's cool with God, whether or not he's wet or not. Well, not diaper wet, but sprinkled wet. You get with me? So we don't baptize babies here. Why? Because every time you see someone baptized in the Bible, is someone old enough, they made their own personal choice to express faith in Christ. It's not always a grown-up if it's a young person, they're young enough to express their faith in Christ, then they're baptized. And by the way, this is always the biblical progression. Someone chooses Christ by faith, then they're baptized afterwards, typically right away, right away. In the Bible, in fact, there's very little delay between salvation and baptism. People in the Bible, they accept Christ and they're looking for water right away. So what does the Bible say about infant baptism? Well, if you open up your Bible and you start to turn into it, you will find there's literally no example, <laughs> not one example of infant baptism. But every single time you see baptism, it's someone who's old enough to choose to trust Christ, then they're baptized. Now, right now in our various campuses, right now you're thinking, oh my gosh, I was baptized as a baby. I'm probably the only person in the room who was baptized. I feel so self-conscious. Right now to all rooms, if you're a Christian or baptized as a baby or a child, just raise your hand, raise your hand. You're not alone, you're not alone, right? Lots of people were, nothing wrong with that. So what should you do if you're a Christian or baptized a baby? I think, I think you should complete what your parents began. I think you should complete what they began and choose as an act of faith and obedience to honor Jesus' command and choose believer's baptism. So what did Jesus do with kids? Well, check out Matthew chapter 19. He blessed babies. He dedicated babies. So we do that. We have a baby dedication here that'll happen like I think the end of next month. So we do that. But baptism is reserved in the Bible exclusively for believers. That's, that's the baby question, the baby question. Uh, I wrote down, that's one of the questions we deal with. How about this next question? I wrote down, uh, oh, oh, the Clorox question. It's called the Clorox question. So I guess, David, if y'all, you, know, uh, you know, have somebody go through the baptismal waters, that, that holy water washes away their sins. Makes sense, doesn't it? That's logical. Like when I work out and I'm sweaty and don't smell well and I take a shower, Lisa appreciates that because the water has washed away my physical dirt. You might be surprised to find out though that baptism does not wash away our sins. 
If you thought that, it makes perfect sense. I get it. People ask, you know, how'd you guys put the holy water in the baptistry? I'm like, a hose in a spigot. <laughs> so if the water didn't wash away our sin or save us or make us right with God, what does? Okay, famous verse, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is on the screen behind me. It's one of the clearest verses in all the Bible about this thing called salvation. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Uh, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. What is baptism? Well, it's a work. It's, it's a ritual. It's something we do. And the Bible teaches, guess what? Salvation is nothing I do. We think sometimes, okay, uh, saved people are people who are forgiven and going to heaven. Well, God has a giant set of scales, and he weighs your good deeds versus your sin. And so just, man, pile up all the good deeds you can so be kind and generous and pray and go to church. Okay, rituals, be baptized. And no. Bible says salvation is a result of the completed work of Jesus. Everything required for our salvation happened at Calvary. We add nothing to it. So how do you say yes to salvation? By faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith, this not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not a result of work so no one can brag or boast, all right? Leads to my next question, next one, okay, so if the water doesn't wash away my sin. In fact, if baptism is not required for salvation, I call this the attorney question, the attorney question. I love attorneys, by the way. I love developers and attorneys. Attorneys get a bad rap. We need attorneys in our life, attorneys in life. Attorneys are people that ask great questions. They listen carefully, a little skeptical sometimes, and they ask those questions. They look for what? Loopholes, where are the loopholes, right? We're the place I can exploit the contract. So somebody, you think like that, okay, David, if for by grace we are saved through faith, it's not, so if baptism technically is not required for salvation, uh, can I still be a Christian, still be saved, go to heaven and choose not to be baptized? Because baptism is kind of weird. I mean, getting fully wet in front of other full-grown people, it's kind of weird. Why can't I, can I? Okay, guess what? Technically speaking, you're right. Uh, salvation does not depend upon your baptism. I think about the thief on the cross. Now he's there dying and he cries out to Jesus. Jesus said, what, today you'll be with me in paradise? Jesus does not say, oh gosh, shucks, I feel terrible. You're gonna die before you get baptized. So, uh, no, all right, doesn't do that. So it's not required. But I would say this, if that's your hesitation, you're looking for like that biblical loophole. I'm like, wow, so baptism is the first act of obedience the first faith action step after your salvation, and you're balking at the first thing the king clearly asked you to do. Uh, that's not spiritually healthy. That's a terrible God attitude right there. Hey, what's the lowest possible bar? What's the least I can do is so squeak into the kingdom? That's not how you level up. Now you level up. So listen, we wanna do everything Christ clearly commands. You'll be blessed if you do it. And by the way, we baptized, gosh, we baptized, um, gosh, in the last 10 years, 12 years, somewhere near 10,000 people. <laughs> Never had one person come out of the water and say, well, oh, that was a big mistake. What was I thinking? That was terrible. Not one, not one, not one time, not one time. Uh, I, I wrote this down. How about the, uh, I call it just the H2O question, the H2O question, because different churches do the, you know, the mode of baptism or the physicality of baptism differently. There's some sprinkle and some spritz and some pour. And we dunk. We dunk. We get you completely. Why do we do that? Well, it's based on what the Bible actually clearly teaches. Uh, the Greek word for baptism is the Greek word baptizo. So, so John is John the baptizo guy, technically. It calls him John the Baptist. 
in scripture, or we call them that. So uh, it means literally to dunk. That's what the word just means. So it's not an issue of our theology or practice. It's an issue of Greek vocabulary. So the word baptizo means literally to plunge underwater. In ancient Greek literature, you'll read a story about, you know, a boat in a storm or a hurricane and the boat baptizos, right? Doesn't mean it got severely sprinkled in the rain. It means it sank. It sank. In fact, the best way I've ever demonstrated this over the years has been um, God's favorite snack. By the way, y'all notice the detail on the, on the uh, mailbox here? Go art team, man, I love that. God's favorite snack is an Oreo. Oreo. Anybody love Oreos as a kid? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, double stuff. Oh, that one's broken. Shoot, shoot. I'll keep that one. I'll just same. There you go, there you go. There you go, anybody? Oh. All right, I like to share. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Back there. Oh, all right, yes. I like to feed you in all ways, spiritually and otherwise. I love me a good Oreo cookie. It's so tasty, so amazing. Oh, just give me a moment here. What's the one thing that makes the Oreo better? It's the milk. It's the milk. Now, let's go back to the original Greek. That Greek word for baptizo is not this. The Greek word for baptizo is what? I'm all about sound theology at Church by the Glades, man. So because that's what's taught in the Bible, I get it, I know it's, it's not convenient and it's not as cool, but we're not concerned about that. We're concerned what's biblical. And so if you've not been baptized by immersion, uh, I would recommend you to be baptized the way the Bible clearly teaches. Remember, Jesus came what? Up out of the water, it said. One of the translations or one of the gospels says, John was baptizing in Salem near and on because there was much water there. So listen, this, and you're going, oh, David, you grew up in a Baptist church, so you're biased. It's really, this an issue, it's not up for debate. Let me show you a, a great scholar, a historian in the church, his name is Brenner. What he said about baptism during the, the biblical age, he said for the first 1300 years of church history, baptism was generally and regularly an immersion of a person underwater, and only in extraordinary cases, a sprinkling or pouring with water. The latter were disputed modes of baptism and often forbidden. And you're like, well, what Baptist scholar is that? No, Brenner is a very famous Roman Catholic scholar. Martin Luther, the founder of the Lutheran church, taught that in the biblical time, baptisms were always immersion. John Calvin, the father of Reformed theology, be Presbyterian churches, uh, he taught in the Bible is always immersion. Uh, sprinkling or crystalline uh, originated many hundreds of years after the biblical age, for various reasons I won't go into. But in the Bible, it was baptism by immersion. Romans 6, it says, here, here's the symbolism of the whole thing. It, it shows the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. When you're placed under water, it what simulates the burial. And we don't leave you underwater, thank goodness. We bring you back up, and that simulates water, represents the resurrection of Christ. Romans chapter 6. I, I tell people, it's, it's, baptism is the wedding ring of the Christian faith. Lisa and I this year will come up on 25 years. 
You're a patient, wonderful woman. But you know, you know, this, this is the symbol. If you don't know me and know Lisa, if you see this on my finger, you go, oh my gosh, there's somebody, uh, we don't see who she is, but somebody he loves, there's somebody he's loyal to. Baptism is the same thing. It's the same thing. It's that symbol that you have this, it's your level up and stand up moment for Jesus. So last question is this, David, I'd like to be baptized and I'm gonna wait for a convenient time. The best time to obey God's right now. It's right now. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, don't leave, nobody leave right now. I'm gonna show you what baptism looks like in just a second. But we're gonna have a baptism at all of our campuses. Now, Dade County, we have to get permission, but you let the prayer partners know that you wanna be baptized. And we're hoping around Easter have a baptism in our prison campuses. But at Lake Worth Beach, or here at Coral Springs Sawgrass, we can baptize you today at your campus. Uh, but David, my clothes, I, I look amazing right now. I look gonna get all wet. We got clothes for you. We have gym shorts, and we have dressing rooms, and we have like a baptismal t-shirt. And so you'll take your clothes off. We have towels and everything. And, and uh, you put on our clothes, we baptize you in our clothes. And you take our towel, you dry off, and then give us back the gym shorts, please. And uh, you keep this as just a marker of your baptism. By the way, wear it to church next week and we'll celebrate you when you come back to the house of God. Now, don't get baptized for a free T-shirt, but <laughs> I, I wanna just take away every excuse. I tell my kids all the time, Charlie, you heard this, that slow obey is no obey. And so I, I know it's, you didn't plan on this and you got plans after church, but this is the best time, the best time. There's a heated pool in the courtyard of this campus. We'd love the honor of baptizing you. And maybe a valid question is, well, David, I've never seen a baptism. You guys baptize, I think, between services or at the beach. What's it even look like? I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you. So the band's gonna come out right now, and here's a video of some people choosing baptism. Here's what I want you to watch. I want you to watch their faces. Not just the water and the pool. I want you to look at their faces. Look at the faces. Look at the emotion as people honor Jesus and level up believer's baptism.
falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes You know, as I put up those faces of all the world changers before, those people step into these amazing moments, life or death moments. And most of us will never have that chance, but God provides sometimes smaller moments. We've been talking about for a couple weeks, so what is greatness? Is greatness a process of preparation or is it recognizing, discerning, and stepping into your moment? This is your moment. So our, our church, we don't like to put people on the spot almost ever, but sometimes you need to be put on the spot. So uh, I, I, I grew up in the end every service in church, we do something called an altar call where the pastor would invite people to come to the front. If they want to make a decision for Christ, we just would invite them to come. The church would celebrate with them. We're going to do that in just a moment right here. And for me, it's always about one person. If one person needs to give their self by faith to Christ in this room today, or one person needs to choose believer's baptism today, for me, everything we prepared, plan for, and pray for is worth it. So uh, we're going to have one of those moments. In just a few moments, we're gonna all stand up on my count of three. If you've never given yourself by faith to Jesus, wanna do that and mark that brilliant decision with baptism, this is your chance to make your move and meet me down here at the front. We will not embarrass you, not gonna quiz you, but just by making that move, that physical move, you're saying to God, I'm in, I'm doing this. I want everything that heaven offers for me. Someone else, you're like, man, I'm a Christian, David, but I've not been baptized. Maybe I was, you know, I was saved after I was baptized. I need to get the order right. Or maybe I was christened and that was great and stuff, but I, I, I want to be baptized the way Jesus was baptized. All in, immersion. Remember my parents dedicated me and I, I want to complete what they began, but I want to be baptized as a believer at Church by the Glaze today. If I'm describing you, I know it takes courage, but sometimes in life, you got to stand up for your convictions. So church, I want to ask you right now, not to come yet, don't come yet, but everybody stand up to your feet, stand up to your feet, don't come yet, don't come yet. I'm gonna give you just a moment, I'm gonna count to three, that'll be your moment. Nobody leaving early, I know you're very important, I know you work for the president, your security, and gonna save the day, but just wait, wait just 90 seconds. I don't want you to leave and disturb someone near you who's making the biggest decision in their life. So I'm describing, and by the way, if you still got questions or issues, John, like, Jesus, I don't understand why I don't feel worthy to baptize you. It doesn't make sense, but he yielded. He surrendered. It's your time to yield to God. So this is your moment. You need to give your heart to Christ for the first time with understanding or be baptized, the Bible teaches. I'm gonna pray for you in the count to three. Then I want you not to walk. I want you to come down as quickly as you can. And everybody else who's not coming forward, you're gonna clap and you're gonna cheer and you're gonna celebrate. The Bible says, when one person chooses the king, heaven explodes and erupts in celebration. So I'm gonna pray for you. Father God, give us clarity as we make decisions to honor God. 
as we do what Jesus commanded. That's all we need. That's the only question on the table that matters. Did Jesus command this? He surely did. So Father, I pray for boldness right now. Maybe it's just one person, but as they come, in Jesus' name, be glorified. Ready, here we go. One, two, three. If you want to be baptized, give yourself to Christ. Come just like man. I love it. Awesome. Awesome way to come. God bless you. Even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Even when come on, the rain awesome. falls, even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes. Stay right here. Stay right here. Stay right here. Come on. Come on. Way to go, guys. Even when the rain falls. This won't be long. Don't hesitate. Come quickly, come quickly, come quickly, come quickly. Come quickly. I just give one last one last if anybody else, anybody else, somebody else, you're you're I don't want you, there we go. I don't want you driving home, feel like you missed your moment. Way to go, sir. Young man, awesome. 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 Come on, come on. Way to go, guys, way to go, come on. Way to go, folks. Atta girl. Atta girl. Way to go, guys. God bless y'all. All right, real quick, real quick. I know you're real distracted. Like, just look at me, look at me. All right, so again, the one thing, the one prerequisite for baptism is being certain and sure that you're saved, that you're right with God. Remember, right, grace, you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so no one can brag about it or boast. So how do I know that I'm saved? Some of you guys know you're saved. Some of you guys think you're saved. I wanna help you all nail it down. So right now behind me on the screen is a great promise. It's Romans 10, nine. Ready, watch the production team. Romans 10, nine. Maybe it's a little high. There you go, there you go. And you can see it on the side screen too. So look at the Bible says here that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me unpack that quickly, unpack that. All right, so look at that, that promise, that's, that's the promise. So number one, guys, say with my mouth, Jesus Lord, Lord's a word we don't use every day. Lord means CEO, means, means uh, the one in control, the one I surrender my life to, my B-O-S-S. So Lord, I'm surrendering my life to your leadership. You're my leader, you're my Lord. And the other part, to believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead. If he's still de dead, he can't help us. If he's still buried somewhere in Israel, you know, he can't help us. But all the evidence shows that Christ arose from the dead. And your faith may not be perfect, mine's not. But Jesus said, you have a speck, you have a mustard seed of faith, little tiny faith. You bring him that little faith, he moves mountains. So based on those two things, and then it says, and then join Church by the Glades. No, it doesn't say that, does it? No, never lie again, never be soft, doesn't say that. Those two things and just those two things, you will be saved. I wanna lead you guys in a salvation prayer. I want us to express that. This is gonna be your, your, your agreement with God based on this, we're gonna leave up this verse. 
So I want you guys to pray along with them in support. But you're about to have, if you're not certain and sure you're safe, this is your moment right now. This is your moment right now. So I want everybody just close your eyes, bow your heads, pray this out loud. We're going to pray a Romans 10, 9 prayer. You're going to say, dear Jesus, that was terrible. Like you mean it. Ready? One, two, three. Dear Jesus, I'm in. I'm saying yes. I want all of it. I ask you to forgive my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin. You arose again and you're alive right now and you are gonna save me because I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Don't forget to stay connected with us by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CBGlades at Pastor D. Hughes.